I invite you to open your Bible with me to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, where we come to one of the greatest um, just statements, one of the greatest chapters in Scripture. They're all inspired, but um, Romans 8 is a favorite of so many, filled with so much truth. And we're going to read then the first two verses as our text. If you remember in, in chapter 7, Paul has been bemoaning that in my flesh dwells no good thing, that the good that I would, I do not, the evil that I would not, that I do, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he ends chapter 7, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. And now in Romans chapter 8, he's going to explain what that victory um, it, at its essence is about. So let's begin verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, open this word now to us. Um, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's been given particularly, Lord, to, to open our minds to understand the spiritual things of God. Bless me as I speak and give clarity of, of, of mind. And Lord, I just pray for, again, the the clarity of your spirit to speak to us, that we understand these truths and take them to heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I've said, Romans 8 is uh, one of the most well-loved chapters in all of the Bible. It's, it reads sort of like a charter of independence um, for a believer where we have been set free in Christ Jesus. Uh, the chapter begins with a great declaration of no condemnation. It ends with a great assurance of no separation. And nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this is one of the great statements of Scripture and one of the most important for the Christian experience, for the health and well-being of the Christian believer. This is the heart, essence, and soul of the Christian gospel. I agree with Martin Lloyd-Jones as he speaks of the importance of this truth and this text for the Christian experience. One of the things that I've noticed about my own life, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is that we easily live under sort of a shadow of condemnation. We live sort of with this nagging sense that we're not doing enough, we're not meeting the standard. We're not, we're not um, holy enough, committed enough, we're not serious enough, we're not um, just godly enough, kind enough, patient enough, pick your, pick your issue, but there's this, this constant maybe sense of failure, uh, shame, maybe even guilt uh, that, that, that rides with you, and, and we often can be, um, our, the, the primary person condemning you is, can often be yourself, right? Uh, remember, I can't remember which Puritan it was, but, but he, he wrote a, a note um, just saying to a, someone who was writing to in a letter, stop taking the devil's side, right? The devil is the great accuser. Stop joining him. But we, but we often join in and, and easily condemn ourselves. Uh, Kevin DeYoung has just written a, a wonderful little book uh, just come out called Impossible Christianity. I recommend it to you as Kevin just deals with this issue of uh, how, to, how to live as a Christian 
without this lingering sense of, of not doing enough. And he just talks about how we live in a, in, a, in a culture where there's so much shame and so much guilt and so much accusation, and, um, and, and, and yet in, it seems impossible, right, to be a, a real Christian and a happy Christian. And Kevin points out it's, well, it's not impossible at all when we rest in the good news of what God has done for us in Christ. And, and that's my goal today, is that we rest in the gospel. Uh, we can be like harried sheep, and we got the, the, the devil at our heels and our own conscience yipping at us. Um, we, have, we can be, have people around us condemning us, uh, and, and we're just running about like sheep, being, being chased, and we need to come to a place of rest, and that's what Romans chapter 8 is. Now, there's a, there's a good sense of where we as, as Paul does in chapter 7, we recognize the truth about ourselves, right? We're, we don't re- respond to the accusations or the condemnation by saying we're perfect or that there's nothing wrong. We acknowledge there's all sorts of things that are wrong. Uh, we're, not, we're not what we want to be. We're not what we hope to be. Um, we're not what we one day will be, as uh, has been so well said. We're not. We're going to be one day perfected. We're not there yet. We can acknowledge our our weakness and and our sin as Paul does so frankly and wonderfully in chapter seven. But the abiding experience of the Christian is is not meant to be an abiding experience of failure, a, a nagging sense of of not being enough and not doing enough. Um, the abiding experience of a Christian is not meant to be guilt. It's not meant to be condemnation. The abiding experience of a Christian is meant to be joy and peace in believing. It's Romans 15, 13. Joy and peace in believing. That's meant to be the, the ongoing normal experience of a child of God. And, and that only happens, you see, as we as we take to ourselves in truth, deeply, personally, the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us, the reality of no condemnation. And so we're going to be just taking our time this morning just to deal with the first two verses of this wonderful chapter. First, the declaration, there is therefore, it just has a ring to it, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Psychologists will say that maybe the very most painful of all human experiences is the, is the pain of rejection by someone we love or highly value. It's a fear of some that's greater than death. This is why a divorce is so often more painful and devastating than the loss of a spouse to death. To lose a spouse to death is a, is a tragic and, and, and devastating loss. But to be unwillingly divorced, to be cast off, specifically rejected, personally condemned, officially declared unworthy of love. The greatest pain that we can experience is the pain of rejection, and, and I think the, the greatest pain that a human will ever experience, I'm convinced of this, will be the experience on the final day uh, where, where we meet the God who made us, the God who is just full of glory and beauty and honor and value and worth, 
And if, we, if we've never acknowledged Him in life, never gave thanks to Him, never, never came to Him through Christ, to stand there on that day and to be rejected by Him, to be condemned by Him, just can't, can't possibly be a greater soul devastation. The horror of hell, you see, is not the unquenchable fire as awful as, awful as, that, as that will be, but the experience of of outer darkness being justly set aside, condemned, rejected by God. And the the reason I say that is, is because I want us to realize what an unbelievably glorious thing it is then to hear this word of no condemnation. Let's just take it apart bit by bit. Paul begins, therefore, he wants us to, to recognize that he's summarizing. He's, this is a flow of thought. And he's summarizing everything he's been saying since really chapter 1, verse 18, when, when Paul explained that the whole human race is under the condemnation of God, precisely because men did not honor him as God. They did not give thanks to him. And that men per, made uh, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and, and the glory of God for images and began bowing down and worshiping uh, created things, and therefore God gave them over. And so they did things that ought not to be done, and their condemnation becomes greater and greater and greater. And this is the, the, the nature of a fallen world. Paul will go on, as you remember in chapter 2 and 3, to say that the Jews are no better off they're not committing maybe the grievous, gross sexual sins that you find in the Gentile world, but uh, they have the law, and yet they don't keep the law. And so they are without excuse. They can't say, we didn't know. They, they did know. God had revealed Himself to them as He revealed Himself to no one else in the whole world, and yet they also continued to violate God's law, failing to honor God as God. And so the sentence of condemnation rests upon the entire human race. All have sinned. No one does good. Not one. All justly under the sentence of divine eternal condemnation. And and that is precisely then where the, the glory of the gospel shines. Because into that darkness comes this beautiful light, this promise that God has made a way of escape through Jesus Christ, His Son, that God has opened a door where those who are under the sentence of condemnation can instead come into a place where they are justified, declared innocent and righteous before the Lord all through Jesus Christ. This is, as Stott says, the essence and soul of the gospel. This This is the essence of the good news that people like you and I, and, and, and like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, who find that we, we do things we, we don't want to do. We, we sin against the glory of God. We are justly under the penalty of the law. And yet people like you and I can know that in Christ, we are fully, forever justified, even though we are continuing sinful, Right? Simultaneously, as Luther said, justified and yet sinful. That's the wonder of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, he declares 
the unjust to be just, the ungodly to be righteous. So there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I love what Matthew Henry says about this text. He says, Paul does not say there is no accusation against them, for this there is. But the accusation is thrown out. The indictment quashed. He does not say there is nothing in them that deserves condemnation, for this there is. And they see it and own it and mourn over it, but it shall not be their ruin. He does not say there is no cross for them, no affliction for them, for this there may be. But there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. That's the sentence from the cross. That's the sentence from the throne of heaven. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, let's unpack a little bit. What does that mean? What does it mean there's no condemnation? What does it mean to be condemned? Well, condemnation is a status before God. It's not primarily a feeling at all, although we can feel condemned, but it is instead a legal status of guilt before God. It's an official declaration of guilt by God and a sentence of eternal death from God. As I said before, just imagine what it, would be, what it will be for those who do not know Christ on that final day when Jesus appears in all of His glory, in all of His beauty, all of His splendor, angels bowing down, a thunderous roar, an anthem of praise and worship, and this, this Jesus comes down and begins to judge the living and the dead. And to some He will say, come, my beloved. And to others He will say, depart. I never knew you. It's a stunning thought. And that experience of, of condemnation, justly deserved by all of us, that is exactly what is taken away in the gospel. We have this powerful word, no. If we want to emphasize something, uh, we, um, if you're typing an email or a letter to someone, maybe you use bold uh, print, or maybe you'll italicize it, maybe caps, maybe underline. We have ways to draw attention to a word. Well, in the Greek, the way to draw attention to a word is to put it at the front of the sentence. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He puts no right at the beginning of the sentence, even though it doesn't flow well at all. If you, if you read the Greek literally, it says, no, therefore, now condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He just puts it right at the front so you see the word. No condemnation. Not at all. None. No possibility. He wants us to just have flashing in front of us and bright, right, neon lights. No condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. And to hear it. I think it's it's telling how many of God's people live with a sentence of condemnation. And again, it can be something that was said to you when you were 10 years old. And someone issued a sentence of judgment on you that you've never been able to shake. 
Maybe it's a word from a parent. Maybe it was when you were older and, and some teacher that you respected or a boss. Someone spoke a word of condemnation. Or maybe you've just been t- speaking it to yourself all of your life. And you live with that, that sentence. And the gospel, you see, has to be received. You can't just hear it and then let it you know, roll off your back. It, it, needs to, it needs to be received. No condemnation. And, and that no is entire and absolute. It's complete. Lloyd-Jones says a Christian is a person who has been taken entirely outside the realm of any possible or conceivable condemnation. He has nothing more to do with it. Not only is he not now in a state of condemnation, but he never can be. It's impossible. That's how strong the no is. Not only are we not now currently in a state of condemnation, we can never be in a state of condemnation. It's impossible to happen for a child of God. Instead, Right, the flip side of the coin, it, 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 this means that we are continually, every second of every day, fully, completely, entirely in a state of justification. That's what it means. So we are in every moment in a state of righteousness before God. Every moment in a state of divine favor. Every day you live in a in a context of infinite love and abounding grace. Every day the Father delights in you as His precious child. Every day He deals with you according to His steadfast love and His tender mercy. We can say with confidence like David, his, surely His goodness and His mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Every day. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what no condemnation means. It means that the the, the treasures of God's blessings have been thrown wide open and all of His love and kindness and care and favor and grace and mercy and compassion and goodness is poured out upon you. It must be. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we need to hear that because there's times we're going to feel like we're under condemnation. There, there will be times when you're going to be under conviction because of your sin and it will make perfect sense to you that God should punish you. And you need to hear there's no condemnation. There might be loving, gracious, kind, compassionate discipline, but there is no, there's no wrath, no condemnation. You may be going through a particular trial and it feels like God is, re- is dealing with you according to your sin. He's punishing you for it. And, and, and you can experience a lack of peace and a lack of assurance. And we need to hear this word. No condemnation. No condemnation. Not for those who are in Christ. God's disposition is and must be a, a disposition of love and compassion and kindness and grace to you. And so when your heart accuses you and when, you're, and when the devil charges you and when trials tempt you to believe that God is against you, remember the blessed word of the gospel. My Bible says, no condemnation, only love, only grace, only kindness, all of my life. 
How can I be sure? Why must this be so? And the answer is right in our text, because this belongs to those who are in Christ. That's the reason. That's the, that's the rock this all stands on. There, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Every blessing, friends, every blessing of the gospel flows from Christ and comes to you and to me by virtue of our union with Christ. That God never sees you as a Christian, never sees you simply in yourself, always sees you as yourself in Christ. Always. This one belongs to Jesus. This one is being kept by Christ. This one was purchased by the blood of my son. This one was loved by me, the Father, before the foundation of the world and given to Jesus and, and now is identified with him. This is, the, this is the, the fountain of every blessing you can receive as a Christian. We belong to Jesus. We're united to Jesus. And that is why we cannot now or ever be condemned. That is why God writes over your life the banner of righteous, innocent, beloved, cherished, Air. Those are the words that, that define your identity and your destiny. And all because of Christ. Right? God has robed us in the righteousness of his son so that we can, we can no more be condemned than Christ himself. If you can imagine Christ Jesus in all of his glory and perfection being condemned, well then, then it's possible for you. But of course, it's not possible for Christ. And so we can sing, friends, with all confidence, no condemnation now I dread. No condemnation now I dread. You realize that, that this just takes the sting out of death for you? This takes the fear out of death? There's no condemnation in death. Not for those who belong to Jesus. No condemnation now I dread. Why not? Because Jesus and all in him is mine. Jesus and all in him is mine. And in Jesus we've been set free from sin and death. Notice what he says in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the law of God which exposes our sin uh, even provokes sin, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, and condemns us for our sin, condemns us to death. It's the law that says the soul that sins shall surely die. The law says that, God's law. And yet Paul says we've been set free in Christ Jesus from that law. By another law, the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life is is, is, is a, it's the gospel message. It's, it's the law that says Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you near to God. That's the word of the gospel. 1 Peter 3, 18. The law of the spirit of life says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's, that's the word of the gospel. The law of the spirit of life invites us then. Whoever believes, Jesus says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And so the, the law of the gospel is the promise and possession of everlasting life, reconciliation with God, justification by the righteousness of Christ to everyone who believes. All those who by faith belong to Christ. That's, that's who this is for, and that's why this is possible. So what are, the, what are the things we need to take from this? Well, one would just be the infinite necessity of being in Christ. You know, the world judges you by all kinds of different standards. How, how smart you are, how good looking you are, um, how good you are maybe at a, at a particular skill, maybe um, how rich you are, right? All these, all these different standards that the world will sort of ascertain your value how much you matter. And all of it doesn't matter at all compared to this, this one thing. Are you in Christ Jesus? It's, it's the only thing that matters eternally. It's the only thing that matters for your life right now. Are you personally, you, are you in Christ? Because because if you're not in Christ, then this word doesn't apply to you. Then, then you, are, you are under the condemnation of God. And, and that's, that's the message throughout Scripture. God has provided Jesus for this reason, that, that those who come to Him might be saved. But, but there's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. He is, he's the only way. And, and so are you in Christ? And, and, and how can you know? God wants you, to be, wants you to know. He wants us to be sure of this. And the way that certainty comes is not by looking at ourselves. It, the way that certainty comes is by opening the Word and, and, and listening to what God says. Listen as God speaks about our sin and then say, say yes, Lord, it's true. I agree. I've, I've lived like this. I've done these things. I've said these things. The law condemns me. I, 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 I acknowledge it. I've got nothing to plead. You just, you just take God at His word, and you accept what He says about you as a sinner. But then you also take, take God at His word, and you, you believe that Christ died for sinners, that Christ died for you personally. It's not enough to believe this as a, as a general idea that, that, uh, that the church believes or that Christians believe. What do you believe? You see, the, the Spirit of God will take this word and, and the way that God unites you to Jesus is by giving you a faith in what this word says so that you can say in truth, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There are things I still struggle with and I don't understand and, and sometimes my faith is very weak. But Lord, end of the day, I do believe. I believe it's true. And I believe it's true about what it says about me. And I believe it's true concerning what it says about Jesus Christ and the gospel. And I acknowledge my sin and I take Jesus to be mine as my Savior, my Lord, dying for my sin. He's my righteousness. And friend, if you can say that, then this Bible, God's Word says you are saved and you are in Christ. Whether you feel like it, 
Doesn't matter. You, the Bible says take God at his word. You are in Christ. And being in Christ, having confessed your sin and called on his name, being in Christ, you've been united now to him and there is no condemnation for you ever. Let that word come from the mouth of God to the depths of your heart. It's the most essential thing. And friend, if you've never, if you've never taken that step, then, then I beg you to take, take it today. Take that step today. Come to Jesus today and, and, and receive God's good news for you today of no condemnation. But that's the second thing I want to say is just the necessity of receiving this. The gospel is meant to be a message of life and light and joy and peace in believing. It's meant to set our feet dancing, our mouth to singing. But the only way it can do that is if we receive it and allow the full glory of it to shine on us. I, and I'm, I, 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 I indict myself here, I just think Dutch Reformed Christians tend to be dour. We, we should smile more. We should rejoice maybe a little more. And I, and I just indict myself in this. I, I remember the first time I went to a church that was just exploding with joy. It was a charismatic church, and, and, and you know, they were raising hands and things I hadn't seen before, but, but, but as, I, as, I, as I looked around, it, it just struck me. I, 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 it seems like they believe what they're talking about. Like, like, they, like, they, like they believe the gospel is really, really wonderful good news. And I was challenged by that. It's really, really good news. But, but, we, but we need to then receive it that way and let ourselves, let, us, let our hearts sing and respond to it. Mounts in his commentary says this. He says, if condemnation as an objective reality has been removed, there is no legitimate place for condemnation as a subjective experience. If it's removed as an objective reality, then it's removed as, as a subjective experience. To insist on feeling guilty is but another way of insisting on helping God with our salvation. I think that's very insightful. To insist on feeling guilty is but another way of insisting on helping God with our salvation. How deeply embedded in human nature is the influence of work righteousness? I, I think he's right. You see, and, and I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I, I know what it's like to live the Christian life feeling guilty, thinking that by feeling guilty, at least God can't accuse me of, you know, being flippant about sin. And, and feeling guilty and feeling condemned and feeling unworthy can be its own righteousness. You prove how good a Christian you are by just robing yourself in loathing. Well, that's, I don't see that in the gospel. I think it's another, it's another way of work righteousness. And the gospel, you see, it calls us to acknowledge the truth about our sin unflinchingly like Paul does in Romans 7, but it calls us to lay hold with absolute confidence and joy and peace on Jesus Christ. Our sin is atoned. Our guilt is washed away. Our condemnation has been replaced 
by justification. So there's no guilt in life and no fear in death. That's where we live as a Christian. And I just want to encourage us to embrace it. To, just to collapse on this truth. I am um, growing up, I don't know why, but I had an inordinate fear of water. Not water, drowning specifically. Um, and so I was, afraid of, I was afraid to put my head under the water. I was afraid, I just, I liked shore. Um, water terrified me. Well, I was 13 years old about, and my uncle Ralph had a, a speedboat, and he was trying to get his kids out uh, at Crockery Lake up skiing. And so um, it looked like fun, but I knew I was going to fall, but they put a, a life jacket on me. And um, this might sound crazy to you, but I had never, I'd never had a life jacket on before. And uh, they promised that if I fell, that the life jacket would hold me up. So off I go, and sure enough, uh, I fall, and I can clearly remember the terror of falling, water all over the place, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, pop up, and I'm floating, and I'm not, I'm not doing anything, I'm just floating. The life jacket is absolutely holding me up. And there was this feeling of relief, I wasn't dead, and delirious joy this thing actually works. I'm in 60 feet of water, and I'm floating. No fear. It was exhilarating. I think that's how the gospel is supposed to feel. Exhilarating. We can't be lost. Judgment is done. It's gone. We are free to rest in all the grace and kindness and love of God poured out on us in Jesus Christ. He is the life jacket that will never, ever let us go. And every blessing is fully and freely ours in Him, through Him, because of Him. And even when life is hard and loved ones die and dire circumstances come and finances are a mess and our sinful flesh leads us astray and our bodies get, stick, get sick, we are secure. We're safe. We're loved. We're justified. We're heirs of heaven. The truth, you see, all remains the same because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Believe it. Amen. Well, Father, we, I thank you for this precious gospel you've given to us in Christ, and I plead that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would come and convince us of this truth. We believe, help our unbelief, Help us to live in the joy, even in the midst of the sin and the suffering, the pain, the questions, the trials, the heartaches. Jesus, help us to live with this, this buoyant joy. We are not lost. We're not forsaken. We're not abandoned. We're not condemned. We are forgiven. We are freed. We are adopted. We belong to Jesus. And everything that is his is ours. All is a free gift by grace and through faith. And Father, 
Again, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know this for themselves, Lord, please draw them today. And for those of us who've confessed this long, but Lord, have secretly doubted it or become cynical in our faith, oh Lord, I, I just pray that you'd wash that all away and we would rest del- with great delight in the truth of the, of the gospel for us. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.